the greatest hope against the threat of nuclear war is Superman. I'm going to do what our governments have been unwilling or unable to do. Effective immediately, I'm going to rid our planet of all nuclear weapons. The man of screen. The greatest threat to Superman is Lex Luthor. Smarter than I thought. We can make the world safe for war profits. He's created the ultimate weapon to annihilate the Man of Steel. You'd risk worldwide nuclear war for your own personal financial gain. Nobody wants war. I just want to keep the threat alive. Dude of Steel, where are you going to get it? You know you're a workaholic. Why don't you stop and smell the roses, huh? Superman 4, Christopher Reeve, Gene Hackman, Jackie Cooper, John Cryer, with Mariel Hemingway and Margot Kidder as Lois Lane. Superman 4, his most important adventure, the quest for peace. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 148 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and... Like last time, this episode will also bring about the end of an era as I complete my coverage of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies with Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. And so you're not only listening to me go on about this movie, I have a pretty uh, crowded roster of guests on this episode, believe it or not, for uh, for this particular, particular movie. I have returning guests who have joined me for the other three uh, Reeve films. We have Brian Hughes. Dario Gonzalez, and Patrick Delmore, and I am also welcoming back to the podcast after about a year absence. Bob Fisher will make his return to the Man of Screen podcast. We haven't heard from Bob since he uh, was part of Superman the Movie Month back about a year ago. So, I hope you'll find uh, our talk interesting. I'm really hoping that uh, just uh, from having uh, seen the episode title, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, you didn't just... uh, Decided, ah, I'll skip this one. Well, obviously, if you're listening to this, you didn't. But uh, if you made it past uh, the fact that I'm covering Superman 4, I thank you and welcome you aboard. But before I get to that riveting concept, I have feedback to address. And our feedback here is from Dave McElvenny. Dave is writing in on Man of Screen episode 137. Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. Although I am enjoying this season's episode of Super Friends, even with the short segments, I'm looking forward to your coverage of the Legendary Superpowers show with segments of a bit more length. For example, I really think the meeting of Superman and Superboy in Return of the Phantoms could have been better if the story had a bit more time to develop. In that segment, you wondered why the superpowered Phantom Zone criminals couldn't break out of Superman and Superboy's capes. In the Silver and Bronze Age, even Superman didn't seem able to rip cape, so I'm guessing those baby blankets Kyla was wrapped in were really strong, even by Kryptonian standards. I understand your complaint in Super Clones that we have Superman, Fall Brainiac, but little involvement by Superman, but it seems to me that the members of the Legion of Doom were often treated as interchangeable foes of the Super Friends, for the most part. Maybe Brainiac decided that he'd have an easier time working against weaker and less well-known heroes than Superman, at least to start with. After all, Superman may very well have built up enough public trust that people wouldn't immediately believe he'd commit piracy. But people are probably less familiar and maybe less trusting of Aquaman and El Dorado. You note that the coloring difference from the comics for Superman's cape S, and there's no in-universe reason for the S on the cape, 
Don't let Bob Fisher hear you say that. He will remind you that without the S, the cape is just a piece of cloth. If you found it on the ground, you wouldn't necessarily know what it was. The S tells you whose it is. I found it interesting that in Prisoners of Sleep, Superman's nightmare was having a Midas touch to turn things into green kryptonite rather than gold kryptonite. I guess most viewers would be more familiar with green kryptonite, but I always believed that Superman was even more afraid of gold K, which would permanently remove his superpowers, as well as those of any possible descendants. It seemed to me, even when I was a kid, that Superman feared losing his powers and becoming permanently ordinary, even more than death. I was surprised in the Malusian blob that more wasn't made of the problematic effects of sugar, other than you might develop a sweet tooth. One of the lessons that was common in kids' cartoons in those days was the importance of healthy eating and eating fewer sweets. So that I thought that might have been emphasized more, but I guess the shorter segments gave less time for that. I'm looking forward to hearing the remainder of this season's episodes next time. Live long and prosper. Dave. Well, as always, I uh, thank you, Dave, for writing in. And I really don't have much to say about Dave's comment on Return of the Phantoms. I agree that uh, the story could have used a little more uh, time to develop. And it makes sense that the Phantoms of Criminals couldn't break out of Superman and Superboy's capes. I mean, if they made out of blankets, uh, I can't tear a blanket in half uh, easily, especially a thicker one. But uh, so I'll go with that. And uh, as far as my comment about the uh, in-universe uh, reason for the S on the cape... I don't know for sure without listening back to the episode, which I didn't, and I'm not going to. What I was saying was there was no in-universe reason for the S on the cape to have changed color. Because it seemed for a while, instead of, after having started with the yellow S on the cape, all of a sudden the uh, the colorist in the show seemed to be going to uh, red and yellow S on the cape. That was what I meant by no in-universe for the S on the cape to have changed color. There's always an in-universe reason for the S to be there on the cape. You know, so that way people know it's Superman from behind. And as far as Dave's comment about gold kryptonite versus green kryptonite, yeah, I'm going to guess that, yeah, probably the writers of this show and the general public, who may not have been reading comic books at the time, probably uh, didn't know a lot about gold kryptonite. I think it was only used on the show a total of one time. And to this point, it had not been used yet. I've already covered uh, Darkseid's uh, Golden Trap, which was part of the Legendary Superpowers show. I think that's the only reference to gold kryptonite on the show. I could be wrong, and I could not be remembering something, but... Yeah, it's definitely a common thing that more people are familiar with green kryptonite than any other form. We're to the point now, at least until Smallville invented uh, 37 different types of kryptonite, green is still the most commonly known amongst even the not-so-hardcore fans, and while it's still somewhat popular, red kryptonite is lesser known, so... Yeah... I would say outside the comics, uh, green and red are the most uh, notable. You don't even see gold kryptonite being used all that much anymore since uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. So, as far as the Malusian blob goes, I'm surprised there wasn't any more talk about how unhealthy sugar is for you, but not to be, I guess. So, that being said, I really don't have uh, much else to go on, so I'm going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo, and when I return, I'll be joined by... Brian Hughes, Patrick Delmore, Dario Gonzalez, and Bob Fisher to talk Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Hang around, folks. My name is Bob Fisher. And I'm the host of the Superman Forever radio podcast. On the Superman Forever radio podcast, I talk about Superman from 1938 to present day. 
and in 2018, we celebrate the 80th anniversary of The Man of Steel's first appearance in Action Comics with a full year of new episodes, more episodes, plus new features like The Adventures of Superman When He Was a Boy. Superboy is coming to the Superman Forever radio podcast. Also, the Superman Forever Roundtable Discussion Group, where I gather together some of the best Superman podcasters around, and we talk Superman. So if you want to know why I've been a Superman fan for over 60 years, point your favorite podcatcher to the Superman Forever radio podcast at supermanforever.com. Love him or hate him, everybody's got something to say about John Byrne. He ruined the X-Men when he left. That John Byrne, he's a sexist pig. The only thing bigger than John Byrne's ego is... Wait, there isn't anything bigger than John Byrne's ego. John Byrne, oh, he, he just draws the greatest butt on Superman. It looks so good. John Byrne is the greatest artist I've ever seen. Wait, who is he? John Byrne's 1986 Man of Steel series gave us the core reimagining of Superman that is still with us today. Third Degree Byrne, a podcast about all things John Byrne. The good, the bad, and the legendary. Join Tim Elliott and Brian Hughes as they look over the nearly five decades body of work of one of the most influential comic book creators in the last 50 years. Third Degree Burn can be found at twotruefreaks.com and on iTunes. I've got a question, though. I just am curious. Why doesn't Green Lantern have any junk? Welcome back, folks. Uh, as promised, we're here to finish off the Christopher Reeve era with Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. And I've got a whole load of people here. I've got uh, probably one of my smartest guests. He skipped the Supergirl episode. I have Brian Hughes. Well, thank you. Thank you. Where do you get smart from? You skipped the Supergirl episode. <laughs> if that's the qualification, I'm going to shut up now. It's a low one. <laughs> we like to set the bar low here at the Man of Screen Podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. We have my two returning cohorts from uh, from the Supergirl episode. We have Dario. Hello. This is where I usually have some fancy quote from the movie, but um, I've got nothing, man. I'm just, just just glad to be here. Destroy Superman. Oh, <laughs> yeah, how many times? <laughs> uh. And we have Patrick Delmore. Superman to boy, drop dead. <laughs> As well he should. And we have a voice that you haven't heard on this show for a while. It's been almost a year since he's been on. I'd like to finally welcome back Bob Fisher. Hello. Hey. Hey. Has it really been almost a year? Wow. Yeah, it has. I think the last time you were on was uh, 
the Superman, the, one of the Superman the movie episodes. Oh yeah, yeah. You uh, uh, went through that whole period though of like Super Friends and stuff, and yeah, yeah I am lucky you. With that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, and and now that you set the bar really low, that being smart means skipping Supergirl. God, I feel like a genius tonight. That's <laughs> all you wait. said. Well, this is going to be pleasant. This is going to be fun. I, I look forward. I've recorded with you, of course, and I've recorded with one or two of the guys. But uh, most of the time, most of us are first time. So this is a lot of fun. And uh, I don't think we're all going to totally agree on everything, which also is a lot of fun. So, yay. I have to yeah. say, Brian, uh, Brian, Patrick, and uh, Dario have stuck with me through uh, through the other refilms. Uh, but they Brian. did an admirable job. Well, I'm here to I'm here to stay. Thank you. Can't shake me. <laughs> yeah, he'll stop inviting me to his barbecues if I shake him. Oh yeah, yeah, that's definitely. Right. That. I just can't wait to get to one. Me too. Really. Hopefully, uh, 2021 get over there. Well, that would be great, man. Yeah, would love to have you. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to pick up Scott McGregor on the way and bring him along. <laughs> we just yeah, that'd be Scott. a very roundabout route. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been promising for years. My, you ought to my just wife get wants to us the to go to Ni- She wants us to go to Niagara Falls, and then from there come back down and and pick up Scott and go on in. Mm. Oh boy, yeah. I know that's like 400 miles from that's uh, a- Queens. We like, really? we enjoy the drive. We enjoy the drive. Wow. And a drive it will be. I mean, of course, it'll take us two days just to get out of Texas. <laughs> Holy cow! Texas. <laughs> All right. So. We're doing very well so far. This is yeah, what kind of states? How many different states do we have here on the? We got Texas, Virginia, New York, Washington, Washington. Yeah, you're all the way on the west coast. Yeah, he's yeah, on the left coast. Cool. I like Washington. It's a great state. Still early out there for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. That's only seven thirty. Still daylight where he is. Maybe a little bit. No, yeah. not even. Not even. But yeah, this is a good representation here. That's nice. You got almost all the time zones. USA, USA. (laughs) (laughs) You know, from up here, you can't see any borders. (laughs) You can't. No, well, that scene was cut from the movie. Yep. Oh, yeah. A lot. They cut a bit. Phone booth. They cut a whole whole guy. Phone booth. Yeah. Well, it's good that they cut that whole guy. All right. So let's uh, let's start going, going around and. Who, who remembers the first time you've seen this film? I do. Uh, yeah, also, I, saw, I saw it in the theater when it first came out, opening weekend. Not a big deal, just here in Richmond when it came out, went down and saw it once in the theater. Uh, the other three uh, I saw multiple times while they were playing in the theater, especially one and two. Uh, but uh, this one I saw once in the theater when it first came out, uh, downtown theater in Richmond. And then this week. Uh, I have watched it a few times since then, but most of the this is the first time doing it for the show that I actually watched it all the way through. Most of the times, uh, if I put it on or it happened to be on TV or something, I'll you know watch bits of it, but not like I watched it this time to actually right. sit again and watch it all the way through with a critical eye. And mm. I graduated in 1987 from high school, and mm. I remember going. And uh, 
seeing this movie. It was a double feature with something else. I don't remember, but, but this, this was the, uh, the second time I've, I've seen it after the first time back in 87. I, it, you know, it just wasn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't care. <laughs> but no, no, there's, there, there's, there's good things here. I have a little, a little here or something that, that I like, you know. I actually own three versions of it, so I don't <laughs> know. Well, Blu-ray, a DVD, they, it comes packaged well, it comes sometimes. In a box set. Yeah, it came in the box set, which is the one I have, which is the one I watched for this. It was this theatrical box set release of one, two, three, four, and Returns. That's why I own Batman and Robin, because it came in the to box. buy all four of them in the set, then it was to buy the just the three. Yeah, <laughs> right. that's why I got my Batman. Yeah. The turnover for this coming on TV must have been really, really quick. It was. I, I remember. Probably was. I remember being young watching it with my mom. It was the first live action Superman that I'd seen, mm-hmm. and it was the. And it came out this was the scene where they're in the hotel with the translucent elevator, and Clark makes his escape by pretending to get hit by that luggage cart. Which even as a little <laughs> kid, I couldn't figure out how he could. How that worked. Uh, that he well, could just, just get that's off. That's classic Clark Kent. Yes. Right. I mean, they were going for some almost Gilbert and Sullivan type uh, routines there. Or Abbott and Costello, maybe. Almost. Oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> now, for me, um, you know, I, I'd seen Superman uh, in the theater multiple times. And I'd only seen Superman 2 twice in the theater. Superman 3 once. And it, it, in, you know, within the diminishing returns, I did not go see Superman 4 in the theater. Uh, I actually saw it at my friend Mike Carlisle's home. Mike Carlisle with the, uh, the crap, the son of the crap box of Cthulhu block. I'm sure he's talked about this, but, uh, you know, I remember watching it over there and just, I was rolling on the floor laughing at the time and, and I don't even smoke pot. <laughs> so, I mean, I had a real good time watching it. So <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, you know, just, just that seeing, you know, taking it for the humor more than anything. I, I honestly thought it was another Richard Lester film. Oh, it felt like it in some places. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that's, I mean, I, I guess that's a carryover from the Salkinds. Did they really have anything to do with it, though? The no, they, they sold the rights no. to uh, Golden Globus. The Canon, Canon Films, yep, Golden Globus, responsible for such cinematic masterpieces as Masters of the Universe. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but the tricky thing was that Canon was really sneaky and that this, this film had a, a pretty big budget. I mean, it was, I think it was 30 million or 36 30, million. 37 million. Yeah. It was supposed to be 37 million. It got 17. Yeah, but what yeah, they, they did was they siphoned off half of that, all that money over to do Masters of the Universe and left, and left Superman with, with 17 Nothing. million. You know, they, and by the time you paid the cast and everything you had to already pay in sets, you had right. no money left for special for effects. No, have and you guys seen the Masters of the Universe movie? I've never had. No, I've no, 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 I have. No, I've no. seen it. Is it spe- no. Are the special effects better than, than Superman 4? No. And no <laughs> there, really. You know, the thing is, there was one really cool scene in Masters of the Universe where they're riding the tops of Coke cans. Okay. Or, <laughs> Right, like 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 uh, like uh, sewer sewer uh, sewer lids, you know. Are you re- a, are you referring to the scene where He Man rides uh, Orion's astroglider? Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> He's yeah. riding Orion's uh, from uh, the <clears throat> New Gods his uh, glider. Uh, is, that, is that what that was? Well, it was supposed to be a New Gods movie. It just kind of got oh, repurposed. That's... Oh dear God! That's why we'll never amount to anything. Is why we know stuff like this. <laughs> <God> <laughs> <day>. <laughs> <laughs> 
grandfather was right. <laughs> what happened to us? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> this is the first Superman movie I remember seeing in the theater. So it seems like for this whole run of Christopher Reeve movies, I keep saying the movie's always been there. Yeah, not this always one. been there. I did you see the other ones? Did you? Let me interrupt, Mike. Did you see the other ones on TV or DVD or whatever? How whatever form was that? VHS or whatever we was that? We had them on VHS. Okay, so you saw the other ones before you saw this. You did. This wasn't your oh, first. I, yeah, I I had already seen the other three. Okay, okay. Oh, then you say Bob, this was your first Superman my movie. Superman in the fandom theater. was already. Uh, okay. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, Bob. I like to clarify that because sometimes I have a younger friend who Superman three was the very first live-action Superman movie he ever saw. He never saw the other ones on VHS or anything first. It was seeing uh, Richard, and he only went because of Richard Pryor. So, you know, it makes a whole lot of difference which one you saw actually first. If you had experience with the first three before you see this one, or if this is the actual first time you ever see a Superman no, live-action. I had already seen the first three. This is the first one I remember mm-hmm. seeing in the theater. In the theater. Okay. It is alleged I, that I saw Superman 3 in the theater, but I was too young really to remember. Right, right. But I do remember going to the movie theaters on opening weekend, seeing this movie, and for that reason alone, mm-hmm. I probably give this movie more of a pass it deserves. Yeah, as, because a, kid, I, as a kid. I associate it with, that, with those memories. Right, absolutely. And how old were you? Under twelve? No, I was. This is eighties. This is June. This is summer of eighty-seven. Yeah, I was six. Okay, so yeah, a little it's kid. Right, the perfect age. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Bob, I, I gotta, I gotta scoot over next to you a little more here. <laughs> <laughs> six years old. Jesus Christ. I know. I know. I, know. I was, I, I was know. twenty-one when it came out. And, you know, the the thing that is, it's funny, the things that I equated it with, you know, when I was sitting there looking at it and, and all that, I remember back then just thinking, you know, number one, this is not going to be anywhere as good as Man of Steel because mm. John Byrne's Man of Steel series had just come out like the year before. Right. Uh, mm. God, it's but, hard to believe that, but you're right. I'd never, mm. I never thought about that. It seemed mm. like the Man of Steel came out so, to me, so much a long time after this movie, but it didn't. Mm. So that's another thing. The movie was still based basically on a Bronze Age. Um, well, it was Superman. based on the Reeve on the Reeve movie that had come before. Exactly, which was loosely based on the adult Bronze Age. They they did change the origin story for the movie. It was the first time that uh, he was not Superboy. Um, right. So they changed that. But that all there had never been a live action. Uh, version of Superman. Even George Reeves was not Superboy in the TV show. Kirk yeah. Allen was never his Superman. So there had never been a live action. Neither was version. Gerard Christopher. And neither was Gerard. Who <laughs> <laughs> now that six, one in? He's now 60 years old. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. He, and he started playing Superboy. He was older than every Superman except Kirk Allen and George Reeves. Yeah. Exactly. And exactly. there's also no Superboy in your current favorite run, the Miller Ramita Jr. Uh, origin. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. There's nothing good in that run either. There is absolutely. Oh, I, I, I read your post on that one. Poor. Because of how young I was when I saw this movie, I had a lot. I had a lot of affection for it at first. Yeah. But you know what? The warts always showed. Listen, I I actually. You know, I, I, I cringe when the cringe parts come in, 
but uh, uh, there were parts of this that I thoroughly enjoyed and and laughed because of what they were doing. And uh, are we going to talk about this in order of the movie as it comes in, or just? Uh, we can. We we can. And um, <clears throat> I just want to I just want to throw in uh, before we before we move on, which and this is kind of something surprising that happens. And usually when a new studio takes over with something, they restart. They Golden Globus actually continued what had gone before, but. As Canon Films want to do, and like so many women in my life, it overpromised and underdelivered. <laughs> and had big long silver nails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. But destroy Superman. <laughs> oh, that was good. There is good stuff in here. It's just there's just so much cringeworthy. I, I mean, it could have so much good stuff. I mean, you have the new new company. You know, it, this is the first. Think about it. you take the peak of what this story was supposed to be. Who wouldn't? have bought into this who wouldn't have signed up for this luther takes a piece of dna creates a nuclear man from superman's dna and they fight for truth justice in the american way it's a you've got a great pro- got gene hackman back to play lex you've got christopher reeve as superman you've got everything you need everything that was good about about the previous films is back which right it's kind of amazing so, so many years after Superman. but once again they give them a terrible script that's really not flushed out that doesn't work that they don't care about physics was there nobody on set that says uh the light side of the moon and the dark side of the moon you know they're Always the lights on the moon and the dark side. <laughs> says, says the man who lives and dies by Silver Age comics. Yeah. Well, yeah, but even Which they didn't did have much basic. regard for the laws of physics either. So, but so they made it seem moving, like moving the moon was okay. Yeah, oh, even that, I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we have. Well, you know what? If Superman did it in a Silver Age comic, you wouldn't have any complaints about that. Oh, he no. he moved planets and created worlds all the time in Silver Age. He blew out a star. <laughs> but this isn't Silver Age, and at least they made the physics. You know, I don't remember Ed Hamilton, the great science fiction writer who wrote hundreds of Superman stories during the Silver Age. Not once do I remember him saying the dark side of the moon is sometimes lit by the sun. <laughs> I don't think that ever happened. I think we've known for a really long time. I think Galileo knew the moon didn't rotate. I mean, we we have to to look at you know Christopher Reeves is back and and he comes back with an opportunity to write. You know, Mm -hmm. right? So we have to lay some of this at his feet and And direct to put some input into it is direct. And, and, you know, the premise isn't bad, like Bob said, you know, it, yeah. it's topical. It's, you know, it, but it, it wasn't written well. And, and you could say, oh, well, you know how much of this movie they cut out. And they did cut. I watched, the, I've, I watched the, I've it. I've seen some of the stuff they cut out. Some of that stuff is better off cut out. Yeah. I mean, there were, two, I'm, I'm looking at you first, Nuclear Man. Yeah. The first Nuclear Man was, was created in Lex Luthor's lab. And he was more of a bizarro type character, played played kind of a buffoon type style, and, mm. almost, and almost like a toddler yeah. in a man's body. And then when Superman destroys him, that's the DNA mix that they send wind up sending back to the moon was some gunk from this first nuclear man. Right, and uh, <laughs> and Lenny brings uh, back the uh, remains of the first nuclear man in a pooper scooper. Yeah, it looked more it looked <laughs> like a giant used condom that they put on that thing and shot to the moon. And I was and and. <laughs> It's just so much that I, I don't think anything, and you were right, Mike, anything that they cut from this movie, I don't think anything could have, could have saved it because it wasn't. 
and all of the well, I'll, I'll get to some of that later at the end. But anything with the first Nuclear Man, because there's also this alternate cut that's kind of floating around out there. It's called the Quest for Coherence. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really make the movie that much more coherent, but it does leave in a few things to uh, resolve some plot po- a plot point or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, and- but everything with the first Nuclear Man takes place within like, the first half hour before even the main story starts. Well, so I think you don't even need that for mm-hmm. anyone that hasn't watched this and is listening mike you should run down like like a dime store version of, of the plot uh, right. yeah and just 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 to get it out and and then we can maybe all right, yeah. all right, <laughs> I mean, all right let's do that so we start yeah, with uh, superman saving a uh, ship of cosmonauts who was uh, hit by uh, some uh, debris not a bad start not a bad start until he gleefully converses in space yeah yeah, yeah. and super uh, ventriloquism <laughs> yeah, if you want to call it that. Copyright Bob Haney. <laughs> and uh, then uh, he goes home to the old Ken farm, like, which is masterfully recreated for this film, I thought. Yeah, not that. It looks like it came right out of the first film. And he meets the realtor, and apparently Clark is having a hard time. He doesn't want to sell out to a developer. He wants to hold out for a farmer. Very noble of him. Yeah. So we go back to Metropolis, and uh, the Daily Planet is... Uh, Taken over by this uh, media tycoon who converts uh, the Daily Planet into a tabloid. Picture the New York Times becoming the New York Post. Fox News. Oh. I mean, aren't they all now? <laughs> that Yeah, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> okay. So uh, Clark agrees to uh, go on a date with Lacey for work-related purposes. So as this is all going on, uh, the U.S. and the Soviet Union nuclear arms race kind of hits ahead and... Uh, Superman gets a letter from this kid, Jeremy, who basically asks Superman to uh, rid the world of nuclear weapons. Did you recognize uh, his teacher? Not until you mentioned it. Who was she? <laughs> she was yeah, one of the uh, older now. Yeah, she's on Star Trek Discovery. No, who is she? The the Admiral. Yeah. The Admiral. What's her name? She's the Admiral on Star Trek Discovery. Yep. Yeah. What's her name? Cornwell? Cromwell? Yeah, yeah she's, she's, she's dead. Yeah, well. Yeah. First season oh pays off quick. Oh, wow. That's cool. Okay. All right. So we're <laughs> continuing with the plot here. Uh, Sorry. Not knowing what he should do, Superman goes goes to the fortress, which for now is which is green all of a sudden, after being white in all previous uh, incarnations. And uh, it was Christmas. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the great the the great and powerful Oz tells him to uh, leave well enough alone, but he doesn't. And uh, he tells the, he go, makes a speech before the UN, says he's going to rid the world of nuclear weapons. Everybody's happy, and we move on. I did like how when he went to the UN and they said you'll need a sponsor. When anybody volunteered, every, everybody stands up or raises I, I their hand. I loved that. I, I, I love that moment too. Really? I think that was one of the better scenes in the movie, actually, of him from the and time I the, he. I love the speech. Yeah, when he meets Jeremy outside and says, come walk with me, from right there, when they start walking and the crowd follows them and then he walks in. That's a great sequence. That's a great sequence. It's a good scene. He delivers it, which could be one of the corniest little speeches you've ever heard in your life. Chris Reeve delivers it like Superman would. Madam Secretary, honorable delegates, ladies and gentlemen, for many years now, I've lived among you as a a visitor. I've seen the beauty of your many cultures. I felt great joy in your magnificent accomplishments. I've also seen the folly of your wars. As of today, I'm not a visitor anymore because the earth 
is my home too. We can't live in fear. And I can't stand idly by and watch us stumble into the madness of possible nuclear destruction. And so I've come to a decision. I'm going to do what our governments have been unwilling or unable to do. Effective immediately, I'm going to rid our planet of all nuclear weapons. I wonder and if he wrote it. it in both in both of his Superman speeches. Yeah, both of his Superman speeches were really good. The one where he says, now I'm going to do it. And the other one where he says, oops, sorry about that. Uh, didn't work out like I thought. Well, once more, we survived the threat of war and found a fragile peace. I thought I could give you all the gift of the freedom from war, but I was wrong. It's not mine to give. We're still a young planet. There are galaxies out there. Other civilizations for us to meet, to learn from. What a brilliant future we could have. And there will be peace. There will be peace when the people of the world want it so badly that their governments will have no choice but to give it to them. I just wish you could all see the Earth the way that I see it. Because when you really look at it, it's just one world. No, so. Yeah, but so either way, uh, he's going to. Uh... It's one of my notes, actually. Sponsor. I just wrote. Kim glanced over my shoulder and said, "Sponsor? That's a note. What does that mean?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Everybody, everybody raises their hand. When yeah. I go to when I go to Utah and I walk into a bar, um, first thing they do is say, "Hey, anyone want to sponsor this guy for for a drink?" And everyone raises their hand. He goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So it's the same That's thing. Cool. I, felt, I felt the proud. You know, I was proud just like that Superman was. But yeah, that was a good scene. Good scene. And of course, everybody cooperates, and all the missiles are shot into into space where Superman has a very big net. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I have to talk about the net. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll, 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 we'll come back to the net. Yeah, but where does he? Does he guys have Amazon Prime? I mean, how does he get that net so quick? Where do you find a net that's capable? Oh my God! Oh, this was that vision. Listen, built this, in that vision. That scene directly out of a Silver Age comic book. For sure. In the Silver Age, Superman was all, if he had a job to do, he would always build these huge, huge tools to do it. You know, a mortar and pestle for him would be big enough to, like, grind up a city. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, but in relation to this net, the thing yeah. that you have to know is that in space, it's legal to use hemp back then. <laughs> and there's no limit you know so no many weapons you can catch i mean <laughs> bob you must have noticed a lot of old age comic references in 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 this movie oh more than the other three yeah. this one just it seemed like every scene they would pull back something that that uh even like one of my notes is um burn age Readers must really hate this. Yeah, yeah, it was familiar to uh to to someone that read the Golden Age or what? Yeah, the day you know. But yeah. I, I'm sorry, Mike. I mean, we, 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 the nuclear weapons in the net. All right. Yeah. So now they're <laughs> they're the big net they're throwing into the sun. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Scott Gardner's favorite trick. <laughs> At this point, I skipped the fact that Lex Luthor had been uh, broken out of prison by his irritating nephew. Lenny, Ducky. who grew up to who grew up to become Lex Luthor, a Lex Luthor of his own. Oh no! <laughs> and a good Lex it's Luthor. Rock. He's a good Lex Luthor, actually. He is. So uh, they create uh, using a a lock of Superman's hair that they stole from a museum. They 
put it into this computer with a little ribbon and uh, it creates uh, a person, a nuclear man. Okay, let me ask a quick question just because I'm a blind guy and I did not freeze frame it or look at it closely. When he steals the hair out of the uh, glass case, Uh he cuts it loose with like you know hedge trimmers or something you know yeah but uh, exactly okay. I always thought Lex Luthor was he wasn't actually cutting the hair was he yeah yeah no the wire he was cutting the wire oh he was okay there's he a wire holding the there has to be a wire holding each end of the hair because he couldn't cut the hair itself the hair See, itself the, cannot and the hair cannot fly. Exactly, but the hair isn't. Although you can't make a toupee that flies. You see, also in the Silver (laughs) Age, they would have made that obvious that that uh, uh, how Superman uh, gave them because all they said was Superman donated a piece of his own hair, and now we're suspending it to show you how strong it is to hold up this ton of you know steel or whatever. And then Luther comes in and clop 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 chops it right off. So he had to chop whatever was holding the hair not the hair itself right yeah but doesn't that say something right. about whatever it was that was holding the hair and the toughness of it yeah i mean it's because it's supposed to be you know it's suspending that thousand pounds or whatever that that well, weight the was hair the, the hair could have just been tied around it i guess if they hit exactly but then he how did he cut it if it was tied around something I, I don't. I, I think if he puts every nuclear weapon in a net and hurls it to the sun, I think the hair is the least. He can cut, he can cut his own hair. He yeah. can cut his own hair. Yes, with his heat vision, just like he shaves with heat vision against a mirror. He can cut his own hair. He can shave, but Lex could not cut his hair with a hedge clipper. No, he cut whatever was holding the hair. Whatever was holding the hair is what he cut. I'm gonna have cut. to look that up. I think he can you got to figure too big to yank a, yank a hair. Because exactly, it's either a plot hole, it's a problem, or they did it like they should, have something between the top hook and the bottom hook holding the hair. Yeah, I'm going to be going back at this movie now and looking closely at this. Mike, I'm going to expect one of your little inserts here, right about here, where you can, where you're going to have to just say, okay, he cut the hair. Hey everybody, Mike here. Uh, I did go back, as Dario requested, to uh, check out the scene where uh, Lex Luthor cut the lock of Superman's hair out of the little case in the museum, and the movie does seem to make it clear that Lex Luthor cut the wire, and uh, not the hair itself. Actually, when Luthor takes the wire out of the uh, case and looks at it, you can barely see the hair. All you really see is the wire, so... Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say he cut the wire. Now back to the show. If he cut the hair with a pair of normal hedge cutters then then uh, they really screwed up that's a well, big they screw- did really screw up but that what really wasn't <laughs> 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 okay so after that after there yeah they stuck the hair and uh some little uh flabby looking blob thing into a computer and uh put it into a missile and superman must have just been hanging around in space because this was after he dealt with all the missiles there's one left that uh he threw into the sun and uh you get a very bad animation of a fetus, uh, and uh, it grows into the into a nuclear man. Something wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> that that wasn't the wonderful. No, <laughs> the nuclear man is quite pretty though, with his eighties uh, hair. I was thinking two thousand ten, same year, right? It was two thousand one, yeah. the Space Odyssey. No, but two thousand ten was the year uh, we made contact. Yeah, it was the same year though, wasn't it? In uh, first contact. No, Are no, you that, was, that was Star Trek no. now. No, no, so 2010. 2063, we made the, the John Lithgow movie. 2010, <coughs> Roy Scheider, but it was 2000. It was 1984. I was a couple years yeah. off. Yeah. 
But that's what it made me think of because that's where where they said something wonderful and kept showing the baby. Right. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Sorry, that gave me the shivers. Nuclear Man comes back, and we learn that he is a. Uh, if he comes out of the sun, he uh, goes to sleep, which seems to be a serious design flaw, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, shit, I could beat Nuclear Man. All I just do is just get an umbrella and put it over his head, and yep. he's done. Yeah, very interesting. I, I thought that was an interesting take that uh, he had to be in direct sunlight or had no power. At first, I thought because of the way they did that little blue. Uh, uh, electrical thing around him as he walked towards Lex when we first see him. My first thought was, oh, lever, clever Lex has like a force field of some kind that's blocking whatever rays the guy needed. But he, then you just notice, no, it's just get him in the dark and he's pretty yeah. much he's gone. Basically, it's over. He's basically just a potted plant. I mean, yeah. that, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's he's a ficus and yeah. and. Not, not I can speak and say, destroy Superman. <laughs> yes, he can. <laughs> so he uh, he does, he almost does destroy Superman by scratching him with his very long nails. Uh, Ow! The, and, uh, it's scratch. And, and makes him fall off the Statue of Liberty, and uh, that's the end of Superman. Movie's over. Oh, no, no, no wait, there's more. I, I got to tell you something, though. Um, my, You know, the, the other night, my wife and I were watching the latest episode of Titans, and my son, and... They, my wife, you know, she fell asleep, and my son went to went to bed, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going, okay, I'll go ahead and watch Superman four now, because you know, there's one point where actually I control the remote, <laughs> and um, as I'm sitting there watching it, and this is this, this, you know, the scene with the nuclear man comes up, my wife just kind of barely wakes up a little bit, and she goes, "Why are you watching Chippendale dancers?" Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "No, honey, that's Wrath of Khan." This is Superman yeah. 4. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mark Pillow, who played the nuclear man, this was his only role. As I understand it, he's working on something right now. They, they don't have it listed in IMDb, but I heard he was working on a new role. Yeah, him and uh, him and Clinton Spillsbury are hanging out in the old oh. uh, old hero's home. And <laughs> oh. I, ho- I hope he's not trying to uh, relive the glory days of Superman 4. <laughs> I mean, they didn't even use his voice, for fuck's sake. Really? It is, no, it was Gene Hackman. I know. I like I like that. That felt very Elliot S. Magan-esque. I liked it too. I liked the yeah. idea that that uh, Hackman's voice was coming and out of it. And I like the fact that Hackman even played with that idea right there in the movie. You have my voice. No, you have my voice. But he only had like eleven lines anyway, yeah. and and yeah. like six of them were destroy Superman. And, well, he but, just said that one line several times. Yeah, but he said it really well. He did. But why did he? This is the thing I never understand about uh, super villains that are written like this, as if they are all Hulk. So I jump down in the middle of a street and growl. Why? Why, you don't do that? <laughs> oh, no, I've, I've never done that, regardless of how good I feel. I have never gone, oh, I am here now to destroy. Oh, wow. Sometimes Why not just destroy? Good stretch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. You got that kind of power, and then he stands around blowing shit up while Superman says, "Okay, stop it." Because because we need to recycle dialogue from <laughs> one of the previous films. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, so, so to finish up my little uh, plot summary here. Yes. Superman uh, hugs the green crystal that he found in his uh, spaceship back in Smallville, and uh, he hugs it. He gets better. Nuclear Man's 
abducts Lacey, drags her out into space uh, without a spacesuit. Superman pushes the moon and drops them in a power plant. Everybody has uh, some new clean energy, and the heat, and the movie ends. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the. the yeah. That's pretty much it. You that's know, pretty you, much. You know, it. Once you get, you know, you, once they start fighting, nothing really happens. You did you kind know, of, I, you know, gloss over a few little things like, oh, I don't know, Clark, Lois and Clark taking a taking a step off the balcony, going for a walk. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get we'll, we'll get to that. Too. Oh, the yeah. super kiss again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anniversary. Superman's greatest hits. Yeah, I, you know, it's so amazing because, you know, my mind just wanders and I go into this in and out of this movie and think of those things. And I'm thinking, no, Superman, you don't do that. If you want to talk to Lois, talk to her. You don't talk to her. Take her on a date, fly her around, come back, kiss her, and then make her forget everything. Again. That's yeah, kind that's, of that's kind creepy. Of a dick move. It's kind of a super roofie, you know? Yeah. It, or, yeah, it she's and he does it all the time. She's gonna wind up getting. She's gonna wind up getting brain cancer or something. He keeps or something. It, you Can't know, keep doing that to her. But uh, yeah, it just, it, there are things like that that really bothered me about the writing of some yeah, of these things. That. This. Yeah, you watch it like, why can't Superman just talk to Lois and uh, right. without walking off the side of the building as Clark? Right. He wants to do all that, or whoever wrote it wanted to be cutesy and say, "Here's another way I'm going to tell her that Clark is Superman." And then not tell her. But it's so we been go done. Back. It's yeah. been done. Yeah. And it's been but done. But they wanted to do it again. But she, must yeah. have, she must have done that to her so many times because when she finds him after he's been defeated and he's all bundled up, she's she's like two seconds from going like, cut the crap, Clark. Right. This is this is so stupid. That would be <laughs> a great bundled up here pretending you're not Superman. <laughs> well, actually, the only reason he, he kisses her again is because Basically, when when he walks off the building and reveals his identity to her, it undoes the kiss from Superman too. Yeah, because she at that she moment remembered. she remembered everything that happened, or any number of other off-screen kisses uh, where he's yeah. done this, where he's wanted to have a serious conversation, get Lois's opinion, and then unkisses her memory afterwards. You know, yeah, now that I think about it, that wouldn't be a bad power to have with my wife. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> the shit, the shit I can get away with if I had that. You know, but but it's the problem with that is you would only think to use it after you've made the mistake. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And And the last thing she's going on to do right then is kiss you. Exactly. What if you kiss her and she remembers what you did and it was bad? You know, then you're screwed. You have to like kiss her again. If if everything comes back, I just I would just be one long kiss for the rest of my marriage. So no, you're right. It's a terrible superpower. It's a terrible superpower. Nothing. (laughs) You would still have to go through go through the argument. Yep, and be like end up being like uh, uh, what was that Groundhog Day? Yeah. Oh, well, that didn't work. Okay, let's try it this way, sweetie. Oh, damn, wrong again. Yeah, I don't think so. And presumably, no. she remembers everything after after this happened. So yeah, so yeah, you gotta you gotta be careful. See, that just tells you that lying is just it's just too hard. There's too much to remember. Tell the truth, and it shall set you free. Yeah, and you uh, <laughs> cannot suck the truth out of somebody's brain through their mouth, as Superman is tr- trying to do on multiple occasions in this series. Uh, really? One of the things I wanted to, to ask: I, Does this movie take Clark, uh, Clark Kent, from you know just may, maybe a little awkward to just an all-out buffoon bumbling around more than 
I don't think he they, he uh, Clark buffooned anymore in this movie than he did in any of the others. Yeah, you I know, agree I think with Mike on that. The best Clark Kent he did was actually number three because he was being more of a normal guy when he was with Lana. He wasn't yeah, this really. It's definitely a step back from Superman 3. It's a step back yeah. from Superman 3. Uh, know, and it, there, you know, but watching. But at the it, same time, there's not, a, there's not a lot of Clark in this movie, except for no, a, there a handful of scenes. No, the most the Clark scene, was the, the double date. In, right. You know, I guess, I guess my favorite Clark Kent, and maybe Mike and, or, or Bob, I know we, we talked about this before the last time we got together. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't mind Clark being a little bit, you know, stumbling around, OG, slumping, you know, no one can find out I'm Superman, but are the Christopher Reeve movies the, the only movie where, where Clark Kent was that persona? You know, I mean, I know that Clark Kent was always kind of a badass in, in, in you know the comics, he or uh, I don't know, I don't know about in the comics. George Reeves, George Reeves was a badass. I mean, he was a tough guy. George he Reeves wasn't, was yeah. George Reeves. Clark George was. Reeves was a tough guy. Uh, I, Kirk Allen was uh, his in the serials. His wasn't bad. He wasn't a bad Superman Clark Kent. No, he wasn't bumbling. In, but he wasn't bumbling. Nobody bumbled. But there was nothing. Spe- there was nothing special about him. No, nothing. Probably the best way to go about it. Exactly. Clark was just just a normal a, guy. A guy who worked there. Yeah, he was just a normal guy. A little more. He didn't stand out. And that's in the comics most of the time. You know, they exaggerate. That's what Christopher Reeve did. And because of this movie, there is so much that changed because of this movie. One, all of the uh, Super Jesus sub stuff going on. Uh, It was the first time they really openly uh, uh, tried to make him a Jesus-type figure, even though he's really closest to, if you're going to go biblical, he's a Moses character. You're referring to the first film, not this one. Yeah, the first one, not this one. This one is a strict comic book joke movie. The only serious person in this movie is Christopher Reeve. Uh, and that's one of the big problems I've got with Marco Kidder, particularly this movie. She's acting as if she is acting for children for a Saturday morning cartoon show. Right. And most of her, even the scenes where she's being real serious and trying to be helpful when he was sick and she brings the cape to him, that, that should have been one hell of a powerful scene between right. Clark Kent and Lois Lane. And it fell short because Margot Kidder. Margot could not pull it off. And I don't want to cut Margot down totally. She had a lot of problems and she was going through a lot of stuff and right. all of this and that. But, uh, and I, and I think some people. And from what I read, her and Christopher Reeve were not getting along on the set. They were not getting along at all. Um, and because he was trying to be serious, he was trying to direct with no budget and, uh, Margot and Gene Hackman, uh, were basically not there. She was treating it like a cartoon and Gene was treating it like a paycheck. And, uh, although I don't really have a lot wrong with his scenes, seeing that the attitude of the movie, uh, is like that. He's right within the attitude of this movie. Well, look what he stuck with for most of the movie. Exactly. Exactly. But he is really good in his scene with, with, with Reed. Just bef- yeah, before the first uh, nuclear man before, fight. Before the initial fight with nuclear man there. Uh, that's a great scene right at it, on like their balcony. Because Gene Hackman is Lex Luthor at that point. He tells a couple of jokes, but then he fixes a drink. He sits down and he says, now I'm going to tell you what's really going to happen here. Uh, uh, listen, when I escaped from prison, I had one thing on my mind. The end of Superman. 
there I was. The first time in my life that I didn't have a long-range, truly devious criminal scheme. And then I came up with it. With this guy. And you gone. I'm gonna make a fortune rearming the world. You'd risk worldwide nuclear war for your own personal financial gain. Nobody wants war. I just want to keep the threat alive. <laughs> Nifty, huh? Good night, sweet prince. Parting is inevitable. Destroy Superman. And he's serious. He totally now, you know, you buy that that is Lex Luthor. And here comes the culmination of a brilliant plan. Then the two of them fight and fall off the plastic bad set. And you go, oh, geez. But yeah, then the, then the OGs. Are then the OGs start because the last 20 minutes or so of the movie is the fight scene and the fight scene doesn't hold up. I'm so I'm just sorry. It just doesn't hold up. The, they had no budget left to do no special budget, effects. No budget and when you have all it is, is them chasing each other around. That's all it was. Yeah. And even those they're, they're scenes, hardly in camera together. No. And those scenes too. Some of the scenes that bothered me so much in this fight scene is when they're chasing each other flying and you just think back to how exciting it was to see Christopher Reeve fly in that first movie. They based the whole campaign around you will believe a man can fly. I never had any problems believing a man could fly anyway. But then seeing Chris Reeve on the screen and doing it in the theater and all that, that first movie they used some techniques that had not been done before, and they did them in a way that hadn't been done before. And the wires, the live wire work that Chris Reeve did in those movies was terrific. This movie looked like a Saturday morning cut out a still in front of a blue screen, and you even see the outline around him. Yep. It, it, they, they initially brought the brought the, the effects crew back from the first film, but when the when the budget ran out, so did the effects yeah, crew. Yeah, so did the effects did crew. Exactly. They, they it, it was cut that. in that same scene where Superman was flying toward you, they reused it nine times. Yeah, mm-hmm. they did. Nine from this. And, and they used the nuclear man one at least three or four. Nine yeah. times. I mean, the, for a bad scene, they yeah. used it nine times. For the, yeah. you know, when, when Lex Luthor escapes from prison, that the, the car yeah. is, the, is a plastic model that you can see just, just flying off. They don't even have money to show the explosion, you know? And exactly. I mean, well, my-, my first note, my very, very first note from popping this thing in last night, and you guys saw online when I first said, going in. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Right? My very, I asked for thoughts and prayers. Yes. Well, my first thought, my very first note, cheap. You can tell from the opening credits mm-hmm. that there was no money spent on this thing. And then the other first scene comes in, and okay, uh, but then the Lex – Luther scene and with that car. Yeah. And when it goes over the cliff and explodes and then the two cops crawl up, you go, Oh, it's a comedy. It's not a Superman adventure show. This is a comedy. Yeah. It's a comedy. And that right there, those two opening scenes set the whole tempo and everything for this. And then five episodes. Can can you talk about the great wall of Legos? Uh, <laughs> and the new eye building superpower that's definitely that's a called, comic that that's oh, called it, the we have no budget superpower yeah. oh that, my god because he was what how that sequence was conceived was 
he was supposed to rebuild the Great Wall of China at super speed. Yeah, which makes yeah. sense, right? That's what he would do. But since they had no budget for it, well, the instructions were in Chinese too. But <laughs> you know, yeah. perfect. And why do we always have one wing nut left over? Where is yeah. that? <laughs> the Great Wall of Ikea. Oh man, but that you know, I even accepted in the earlier movies in number two the. The the plastic S shield that he throws and wraps stuff up and the uh, hiding invisible sight going here. No, I'm over here. No, I'm all in three places. That's super speed. I can get on with that. I can get on with some Kryptonian technology. Blue lasers coming out of his eyes that rebuilds yeah, no. an exploded wall. Well, you know, if you can. Well, what, what about that uh, eye beam telekinesis he uh, oh. flashed later? Oh. Oh, Look, well, Zod did that in Superman too. You know, but at least Zod pointed his finger. If Clark Kent can, <laughs> if Clark Kent can use his eyes to rebuild something, he should build himself a better apartment because that apartment, it, 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 it Clark Kent wouldn't live in an apartment like Superman wouldn't live in a in a over like I. Uh, Kenny Rogers roasters with the red light flashing <laughs> all the time. Yeah, no, Kenny, it's no. not Kenny. Yeah. You must get the Kenny. Kenny. I must say, Clark Kent does not know what football team he likes. Yeah, you know, that not, was not weird. There's a Tampa Bay Buccaneers banner in there. There's also a New York Giants one. Yeah, okay. and it's, he's been getting around watching all the games. Probably not even getting a ticket. Yep, that just shows that whoever was doing continuity for the movie, and I don't mean continuity like, you know, did Superman really do this? Or I mean, like, is this the same thing that happened in that scene or this? It's like, well, let's just put some banners up. Yeah. They didn't even make Metropolis had a small built banners. Come I on. Mean, I mean, that would have taken like two bucks. If you're going to live in that house, you might as well just go back living in the Fortress of Solitude. I mean, it's it's made of ice. Yeah. But I'd rather live in an ice house than there. You know? It's a terrible so, so, apartment. Yeah. No, oh, and this is the first time we've actually seen his apartment. Yeah, and probably yeah. the last time, I hope. And it's not yeah, like he's well, getting paid well. as much as Lois Lane to get her penthouse. Well, he's not making as much. No. Right. And why 503? His apartment number is 503. That has nothing to do with any previous Superman apartment name number. What issue? Maybe, maybe it's an issue or something. 224 or 244 Clinton Avenue. No, there, was no there was no issue 503 yet in 1987. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Action uh, did. Action no, I think did. Action was in the three 400s. Wait, wait, maybe. No, Action wait, wait, was about to hit 600 by that point. Yeah. By 87? Yeah. Yeah. That's when yeah, they had okay. the, the Wonder Woman crossover. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, but I don't think 503 is anything special. Yeah. Trust me, I don't. I don't think these creators were. If it's not special, why are you doing a ten-second uh, door knock on it? Movies. These are big-budget movies. You're supposed to. I don't know. Back in movie school, which I never went to, they used to say if you're going to show something on screen, it should be there for a reason. Right. You know, good movies, good it's, shows, even the damn Bing Bang Big Bang Theory. Make sure that the sets and the Action figures are DC and not Marvel unless there's a Marvel story plot going on. Yeah. Or right. a Star Trek thing. Come but on, people. This is a You guys you guys are right. The people that, that they when they wrote this, they just didn't care. I mean didn't care. Lu- didn't Lucy Warfield, she's in outer space. I know. She's in space. <laughs> without without a space. What is she? Yeah. Is she Princess Leia? 
Kick, yes. is, is she going to survive being in space and just float around for a little while? I mean, for God's yeah. sake. None of the space scenes made sense at all. None of them. None of them. Uh, it was a cartoon at that yeah, point. You know what? It just dawned on me that at the beginning, those two, those other Russian cosmonauts weren't in spacesuits when uh, Superman just can open the door to the space. <laughs> right. Right. That just dawned on me. Yeah. It, it made no sense. None of it did. Not how fast or slow they were flying. Not what kept knocking the damn American flag over. Nothing. <sighs> well, the American flag wouldn't even be an American flag. It just it would just be a white a white sheet if it's still there at all. I mean, it did get all radiation would have. Yeah, it got knocked over by the by the by them taking off. Yeah, but not then. Not then. That's when and the right. fight scene. Yes, but the first time he shows up after he thought he had just left him in the left nuclear man in the L- nuclear, like Gene Hackman kept saying instead of nuclear, nuclear. Hey, we had a president say it for eight years. It's okay. I know. Well, that was bad enough. Not not 1987. It wasn't. <laughs> no, true, true. No, no. But but uh, it was dumb enough for him to think that. Just leaving him over here in the elevator while I straighten well, but, the American flag and get ready to salute it and cry over it. Oh, I'm going to well, get hit in the back. And then well, they knocked the flag. really had no plan. He had no plan whatsoever. Because and the fact to think that the moon is going to, you know, oh, God. Did we talk about that on the air or before we went on the air about how dumb that is? To him actually say physics when he... When he leaves the elevator with nuclear man in it on the dark side of the moon, but then we see the sun rising Sunrise. on the moon, <laughs> changing the dark side to a light side. I mean, there, there, there's a theory out there that this was the movie that killed Superman franchise for maybe 20 years or so until un, until uh. There's really no argument. There hasn't been one for 20 years after this. Yeah, until Singer decided to put the final nail in the coffin. Yeah. Okay, I, I got to go back. You know, the opening sequence with the with the cosmonaut and him putting him in there, mm-hmm. uh, they actually show that the other people are in another part of the craft looking out through the window. So that's a window he's talking to them through and they can hear him? No, no. no. He's, he's talking to the hatch to the one he just saved. But the other ones are in a different compartment. But the funny thing is, is that if you look at Christopher Reeve, he's got something over his mouth. Like, you know, it's like he's breathing something, you know, from something. And and that's only in some of the scenes, not every scene. It's weird. Well, I mean, I I, I do want to talk about the scene after this, though. I like the scene where he goes back to Smallville. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah. About selling the farm. Yeah. He had to have died because Ma Ma, Ma Kent died uh, before Superman. Before Superman. Yeah. I'm a little confused about the the green crystal, the green kryptonite. Uh, how, is that the same one that he used to create the uh, fortress of no, solitude? No, I'm gonna say how no, many no. how many of those damn things are there? As many as they as need as the plot to required. tell the story. So this is another one. It another was a retcon. One. It was a retcon. Yeah, it doesn't say it's the green crystal. It just calls it an energy module. Ah, yeah, geez. it's and it's and a total retcon. You know, you know, because you know, when he's feeling down, he plugs himself into the crystal, and uh, right. it's like charging an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same way he got his powers back in number two. All of a sudden, there's another green crystal for him to throw and reset everything. Uh, when he needs it, hey, there's going to be a crystal. And they went to a – they listen, they did it both times. If you use it 
And number two, to get yeah. your powers back, if you use it, that's it. It's over. Wait, wait, wait. I got I to gotta, uh, ask, though. Wouldn't it have been simpler? Well, that, that's once, not in the theatrical Once class. he and Lois, you know, uh, did their business up at the fortress, for him mm-hmm. to just go down to the farm instead of trying to go all the way back up to the North Pole to the fortress? Oh, the, the, oh so many, so <laughs> so many problems with that. Yeah, yeah so many problems. This with. movie makes it seem like he did not know about that second group. Yeah, exactly. Just now. Listen carefully, my son. By now, Kalel, you are entering the atmosphere of the planet known as Earth. I pray you have made a safe journey. The yellow sun of your new home will give you great physical powers, but it cannot console your spirit. Placed aboard this vessel is an energy module. All that remains is of a once powerful civilization, Krypton, your mother planet. It is my last gift to you. Once removed, the ship will grow cold and silent, and you will be finally alone. The power in the module can be used but once. Use it wisely, my son. And now he has another one. And this time, again, exactly. And mom says this time, well, (laughs) this is definitely the absolute last one we got. And if you use it, you can only use it once. And look, so, listen, listen to the Council of Two. We couldn't have yeah. more council members. <laughs> and, and, why, and why? That, uh, that and, one floating head guy yeah. said and, it perfectly, and then they made him repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and re- like guilty. I know I'm forbidden to interfere, and yet the Earth is threatened by the same fate as Krypton. The Earth is too primitive. You can flee to new worlds where war is long forgotten. If you teach the Earth to put its fate in any one man, even yourself, you're teaching them to be betrayed. 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 Trade. Yeah, what was the, I forgot the word. The, the great and powerful Oz. Yeah, 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 I forgot. The same assholes that wouldn't believe Jor-El when Superman and Krypton is going to explode. Sure. I mean, come on. Let's yeah. listen to these guys again. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. But see, that's why yeah, we well, didn't get Trevor Howard this time, because he was going to be in Superman 5, giving him the red crystal. <laughs> uh, one. Jesus. Well, we can't we can't right. judge too much now of Krypton. I used to think it was pretty funny, too, where uh, a planet so sophisticated, so high, they're ruled by a science council. Everything. They still have climate change tonight. You know, but but <laughs> exactly. They wouldn't believe their scientists uh, when he said the world was going to blow up. What kind of stupid scientists and people and politicians wouldn't believe their – oh, never yep. mind. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So – You know, now, I, I, after all this uh, hubbub about – I'm probably going to end up cutting this out with the uh, with the Swedish girl mm-hmm. and uh, at, the, at the UN. Now, all of a sudden, I, it kind of reminds me of that scene in uh, Superman on Earth. Oh. Uh- where Jarrell and they're, yes. they're all saying the planet's going to be destroyed. They're all laughing at him. Yes. It's I almost got, the same scene. That kid that kid yeah. was kind of an ass. I didn't know. 
But it's what she said. Oh, not that correct. kid. I'm talking about Jeremy. Oh, yeah. Jeremy. Okay. Well, you know what? You know exactly what kid that is. That's the. Uh, he's on a whole other level from the rest of that class. You're, but you're because at, he's yeah. part right. of the classroom, they have to listen to him. Otherwise, yeah. he's going to go home and be like, Dad, I was at school all day and nobody talked to me all day long. Right. Nobody said a I word. Have, I have no problem with the Swedish girl. Let's get that on paper. I, I just didn't like Jeremy. Okay. I thought, I thought he was a little <laughs> okay. and, and Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. I, Jeremy was not one of my favorites, but uh, well, I don't think Jeremy was one of anybody's favorites. And was his voice overdubbed, too? I don't think that was that kid's voice. Didn't sound Yeah, I think. I think there was some of it dubbed and some of it was real. Uh, yeah, that was one of the scenes that was cut out where Superman went that went yeah, to the, the school the scene where uh, Superman actually uh, shows up at the class and uh, mm. tells the kid no in person. Oh, that's oh. great. That's oh, that's yeah. Hmm, that's a good. Well, he does actually try, but we don't know that because they cut it out. Right. I mean, right. they cut. Well, it. I've seen I've seen that scene, but it, he, I don't believe Superman would have he, gone to the class to say no. Well, he wouldn't have said drop dead either. Yeah, no, what he would have <laughs> done. Basically, I think had he gone to the class, was. he might have explained, which would no. didn't make the whole movie moot. But he would have explained why, as Superman, that I have all of these powers, but I'm not. I cannot interfere in May those things. No, I, I can't interfere, but I can bring my my girlfriend back from the dead. Uh, Guys, I can tell yeah. you exactly what he said. Okay, tell us what he said. Excuse me. Superman. I'm sorry to disturb your class, ma'am, but I wanted to answer Jeremy in person. Oh, cl uh, class? We have a guest speaker. A friend of Jeremy's. Jeremy? This is the most important letter I've ever received. But what you're asking me to do is impossible. Impossible? Why? Because I made a vow never to interfere in the destiny of your planet. But Except for his girlfriend. Everything is blown away. What good was my letter? Which is a good question. Well, I'm going to pass the letter on to the leaders of the world. You see, they're the ones, not I, who represent the people of the Earth. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I have that's not seen. That Where is, is that? Where is that, that scene? These, this on this, uh, the outtakes, the cuts. They're all on YouTube. Okay. Well, there are some on the uh, on the Blu-ray. Oh, okay. I don't know if that one was, but but you you guys saying it's on YouTube? A lot of these deleted Superman four scenes are on YouTube. Yeah, you all right. I'll check it because I've seen any of the outtakes because I've just had no desire to. <laughs> you don't have to. I mean, the the, the yeah. penny pinching in this movie was just just incredible. I mean, everything yeah. was filmed in in I mean, yeah. in Britain. The, you could you could tell that 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 wasn't. Metropolis. It didn't have the same no. look, and and you know, you know, even in Canada, the original Kent Farm was still standing. It was still there. It was right, but they but they wouldn't pay for them to go back. No, they wouldn't pay, so they rebuilt. So, they found somewhere in England and went ahead and, and just refilmed it over there in England. But you know, that I would have never known if I hadn't had it. I guess. They did a pretty good job rebuilding it because it does look like the farm from the first. Time. Yeah, I had no problems with the Kent Farm and that kind of stuff, but I do feel. Sorry if you, if it's the right way to feel. I don't know. Uh, for Chris Reeve. Yeah. He, he had nothing he was promised. He was promised more than twice the budget. He was promised right. more control and he actually had less, but took the blame for the stuff. 
He didn't get along with the director. He didn't get along. It, no. it was just a really bad thing all the way around. But he, like, he basically a, uh, told John Cryer before the film came out, yeah, this is going to be terrible. I mean, yeah. How, well, they how, knew it. You couldn't pull it off with what they were given. No. How much did it have been to work on a movie and, and halfway through it just know that it's just going to be, it's just going to be garbage? And yeah, it's, I guess, I, I, I guess you know just from the way things are going on the set. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you've well, got over half you. of your cast really in taking it uh, seriously. But one of the cool things, which I think is fun, John M. Wilson and I were talking about this not too long ago online. He asked a question: How many times between 1938 and 1975 did Superman change in a phone booth? Three. Not as many as people think. Three. Once. How many times? If you count uh, the uh, original Fleischer animated series, he did it once there. He never did it in the George Reeves or Kirk Allen. He did it in the comics twice. And once in the comics was just as a joke. He actually Um, made fun of the fact that he was changing in a phone booth. So in this movie. But how many Hallmark ornaments were made with him in a phone booth? Oh, millions. Yeah, but the Metropolis mailbag, which was the letter column in the Superman comic books all through the 70s, as far as I know, they had the picture of Clark going into the elevator. You know, it was the progression where, you know, he's Clark Kent on the left. He's doing the shirt rip and into the phone booth and flying out. And that's what stuck with everybody, I think, more than anything else. But not in Canada, which I think was interesting, is that it really rarely ever happened. And to me, it stuck out. It just jumped out. Again, one of my notes here in all caps, phone booth. He changed in a phone <laughs> yeah. booth in this movie. Yep, he did. Yeah, he went into a phone booth, and then they go down and do a close-up of the bottom of the phone booth, and the red boot comes out. And then a bad takeoff. But, um, but yeah, he changed wow. in a phone booth here. Yeah, hey, it wasn't a Dean Cain cape flutter. Oh, that's true. It wasn't a Dean Cain no, did did the 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 changing of the harness and everything mess with you guys at all? Because that that made it look really uncomfortable. It, 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 yeah, it messed with his waistline. Yeah, yeah it made him look made him look real thick in the in the midsection, yeah. huh? Made it look like he was carrying a little bit extra weight there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and, and again, I think it and was he, because he didn't he have a good fly crew, flat and, and he couldn't and he couldn't fly flat in this movie either. No, because of the harness, right? And they couldn't get the cape to go like um, um, like it should, according to what his motions were in the environment. The cape gives it away, some, which is why a lot of the modern movies, uh, Thor and Superman and Man of Steel and stuff, uh, the cape is CG because you got better control. You can actually control it. They don't even have a real cape on in a lot of this, except in their standing and walking around scenes. But in the original Chris Reeve first two movies, he had multiple capes for one for flying, one for walking, one for sitting, one for this, one for that, blah, blah, blah. He I had think, a ton of capes. I think we mentioned it before, but I remember in, in the comics they had uh, someone who won the contest where they got one of the capes. And Chris Reeve made it, you know, it's a type six walking cape. Yes. And that just kind of says how many they had to have. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's why if you see. Uh, uh, a Chris Reeve cape on eBay or somewhere at auction, you can look for that kind of a detail to know what, where, and when. Because some were on screen, some didn't make it, some with this, that, whatever. If you ever see a George Reeves 
cape on eBay, you'll say, oh, that's fake. Sorry. <laughs> nope. Uh, there's only three of those, and I know where all three of those are. So there's actually were, more than three. And they weren't all red. Wasn't some of them brown? Uh, yeah, they were brown in the first. Yeah, the black and white ones. In the first two seasons, there were, were there were two different uniforms: <clears throat> a season one black and white uniform and a season two black and white uniform. Because the season two came two years they had filmed the first one. First season sat on the shelf for a year or two before it got a sponsor. So when they finally got a sponsor. Uh, they gave him a whole new – they built a new suit for the black and white. And then uh, in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh seasons, or the last seven whatever episodes, uh, uh, there were, I think, six different color uniforms. They couldn't get the color right because they – No, they never did. And I know it was tough because what they were trying to do, since none of them were being broadcast in color, was give it to – make a color – that would still last into the future, but would still look good in black and white because red and blue look pretty close to the same color in black and white. And uh, it's really hard to tell. But uh, I, there are a couple of those, I think season five, maybe season six Superman suit that just looks so good. It's got the right blue. Yeah. Oh, it's just so good. Everything is its a good bright red and the dark blue with it. And uh, hmm. Oh well. Never, Again, not the color of the suit in the, in this movie. Uh, this one was green sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. They really lightened up the blue for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and I think because they weren't again, they didn't have the good it all comes back to the writing and the special effects because the, the special effects was really bad. Uh, you know, I oh. I'm trying to put a good thing, but it's really bad. There is and a it's you can say about the special no. effects. I mean, when they had a budget of, you know, 17 million. Yeah. And, yeah. and the total box office score, uh, they got, they got 36.6 million. Uh, that's with the United States, Canada and over. Yeah. So, and, you know, and you they, also they, have to remember that the, the, the special effects group, you know, of the, the, all the guys that were on the, the previous movies, I think they only have one. Right. Yeah, one right. guy, because every, everybody else, yeah, everybody else quit, walked away, or whatever. One yeah. guy in a box of Legos, basically. Right. Well, it's like we were talking baseball before we went on. The first movie and the second movie had the major leagues. They had the real guys. This movie had your AAA team at, at best. These were the guys who you had one director with no money and a bunch of young people who wanted to break into the business. And it shows and it shows right from the very I mean, the first five seconds of this movie, when the credits start, when you know what oh, the original man. credits look like. Yeah. And now you're getting this really bad desktop type. Graphic. It looked like it looked like they used a TV, um, you know, director's. Uh, yes. Control board to yes. do it, to do it all. Yes, it was. It was yeah. terrible, terrible, terrible. The special terrible. effects are always going to be important but i could almost forgive that if they just would have had someone write a decent freaking story you know mm -hmm. just yeah oh i agree with you absolutely you great story and i can say okay the special effects they, they they were bad but give me a story that that i can that that you know that i can get into i mean well we all have movies like that we all have things where we absolutely love the story and the acting and all that even though they paid nothing for it 
but the story and the acting sells it. And why is it Superman has this great pantheon of villains? And this is this is the you know the, the Superman four. Why why do we you know we we've got Zod and and they they had a chance to to do like you were your brainiac. They they they. I would say that so much, so much more. I mean, right. Well, there's something I talked on my show once about Lex Luthor and because some people will say that. Why is it always Lex Luthor? Why is it always Lex Luthor? Well, like no other villain, no other superheroes villain. The only thing that even comes close is maybe the Joker, but no other superheroes villain is part of their main supporting regular cast the regular cast of superman is lois perry jimmy and lex lex is as much a part of modern superman as anything else he's there every day all day and it's when a new thing happens like brainiac or metallo or or he's going to be there to take advantage of it and try to see what's going on but Lex Luthor is part of the daily Superman canon where no other villain is. Uh, maybe Kingpin for the Daredevil, maybe. I mean, I can't think of another supervillain yeah. that is as omnipresent as Lex Luthor. I mean, even in the oh, Supergirl show, who did they? They didn't have Jim. a Luthor, so they give her the Lex's sister. Yeah, Dr. You got to have a Luthor. If you're going to have a super, Dr. Doom, yeah. you got to have a Luthor. Dr. Doom is close because yeah. he's pretty omnipresent with uh, those guys. But, uh, but you know, Iron Man doesn't have one guy he fights all the time. Spider-Man doesn't have one guy he fights all the time. This is true. Uh, you know, but Superman does. Lex is always there, and then everybody else can rotate in and out. Um, right. You know, as a longtime Superman fan, I get a little tired of it. But once I just – you just have to accept that, that – Lex is as much a part of Superman's life now as Lois Lane is. It just goes with it. Even John Byrne, when he did his six-part miniseries, mm-hmm. he gave Lex a whole chapter. It's a whole Lex episode. He didn't have to do yeah, that. It was. He didn't give Brainiac his whole issue. He didn't give anybody else his whole issue. Yeah. Luther had two, as I recall. Well, he, got, well, he was uh, the uh, main issue part. Of Steel. Yeah. He, was the, he was the main in four. Yes. And part of I think Lois's and part of and part of five. Yeah, it was Bizarro. Yeah. Well, he said he set five in motion. Right. But, and and right. probably Burns' favorite story on his Superman run, uh, you know, Metropolis nine hundred miles. Oh, was, so yeah. just a Lex Luthor yes. centric story. That's a lot of people's favorite. That's story. a good story though. That's a good story. How about that Lenny Luthor? <laughs> <laughs> Do you, any of you know anybody that liked Lenny's character in any way, form, or fashion? Any kids, any no, adults, no. anybody? No, no. I mean, no. even even no. I. He was just there. I, you know, that he was he was probably my age in '87, and and you just look at the way that he was dressed, and I said, okay, I never knew anybody that would. That Nobody. Nobody. Just Nobody. and that goes back to the. I, no. It seems like every one of these Superman movies has to have a lackey. Some mm-hmm. another thing. I notice it's an old trope. You know, there's always there's always uh, Mr. Luthor, you know, uh, right. or something. I, I I don't know. I just, uh, but yeah, that that character was just uh, too much, too too much, and 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 two eighties, yeah. and and I and I disliked John Cryer for a long time because of that role. I'm sure. And when I first realized that was him on Two and a Half Men, 
I, I had what? No, it's not. I had to go yeah. back and look at credits to be. I I didn't believe it. Tim See, told I, me, and I didn't believe it. I li- I liked him from the movie Hiding Out, and that one made me forgive Superman Four. Right. Well, to me, seeing him on Two and a Half Men, and then yeah. I saw him something else. I forgot what else it was. A TV movie or something, and I didn't recognize him until later in the movie. And then I went, "Oh my God, it's Lenny, and it's the guy from Two and a Half." I went, "Oh, he's actually an actor. How interesting! Yeah. <laughs> How interesting! He's actually an actor." That's why when people said when his name came up as playing Luther for Supergirl and everybody goes, Oh no, it's Lenny. That's terrible. Oh, he's going to be terrible people. He's an actor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just remember Michael Keaton is still one of the best Batman ever. (laughs) He's five ten and 150 pounds for crying out loud. And was Mr. Mom and was Mr. Mom and Beetlejuice. The the greatest Batman moment for me in all the Batman movies is in Batman returns at the very beginning when the bat symbol shines into Wayne Manor and he's just sitting there in the chair and it, his face comes up and you just see him change, change. in the, in yeah. the eyes, just yeah. that one moment. And it's like, that's an Damn, actor, man. That that is an actor. Just wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to throw this out uh, to you guys right now. I wouldn't, you know, we, we did Superman three a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, we did Supergirl. It, and and I wouldn't erase any of those movies from history or from canon or anything. But Superman four, are we better for having it? Or if we if you could, would you just just fly around the earth a few times <laughs> and and just get rid of it entirely? I mean, is there anything? I'd get rid of Supergirl before I got. Well, rid I agree. Of the, the way I look at it is like this: um, Porkins got to eat more. Yeah, Slughorn from Harry Potter. He got to eat eat good yeah. then too. You had some you had some people that got got a little work, you know, a, as a result of the movie. People yeah. did get paid. That seventeen million went somewhere. Yeah, yeah. most I think it didn't go into the special. Effect. Six of it went to uh, Hackman, I think. And how much and how much went to Christopher? Uh, Chris got less than Gene because of he wanted the director and the writer credit, and I understand that he took a little less money. He made less in this than he did in Number Three. He also got the promise that he was going to be able to work on that movie that um, that he I, wanted. Right. That I can't think of the name of right now. Right. Uh, and he did, and it, and it was supposed, I've never seen it, but it's actually supposed to be a pretty good movie. It didn't do very well. Which one so, is Somewhere in Time? No, no, not Somewhere oh. in Time. It was another Street Smart. Yes, smart. Street smart. Right. There you go. I'd never seen Morgan Freeman. And I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of it. And, you know, he's got that. You know, he he reminds me, actually, of uh, Brandon Routh playing Ray Palmer. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's just wherever he is, he's the fish out of water, just bright eyed, bushy tailed. He's supposed to be trying to do something very hard nosed in a in a very tough area. Yeah. Right. So that is a little bit of a problem. I think we have both with Chris and Brandon Ralph. Now, Brandon is going to be trying to do a lot of different things. And every time he pops up, man, he looks like Superman. I Yeah, he does. Wow. He looks more like Superman now than he did when he was Superman. I think he looks much better now. And uh, uh, he was so young. I I mean, so young. He still had baby face, you know, when he did. So young. Superman Returns. So yeah, he's almost forty and he's still baby faced. Yeah, and a bad costume and and well, we could tear that one apart too, couldn't we? Well, let's not I, do that. Let's fin- let's do that. Let's do that. Let's I, back on the track. 
I think to me that that the saddest thing about this is this was the last Christopher Reeves movie, and Reeve, it, it, it didn't go. Out, Reeve, it, yeah, he does that all yeah, the time. It, it didn't go out with a with a with a bang, you know. It it no. And who knows if he hadn't gotten you know paralyzed, maybe there was another one in the work. There was talk that he was so, going to come back. It's sad that you know. In the in the nineties, right? He they were talking to him. Well, you know, three so was, was until the accident happened. We all we he all was, uh, that three. You know, it wasn't as bad as I remembered it. It wasn't great, but I would re- I would have really have liked for for the last movie to be have been something that you know. But so many, so few of them are really. I, we got to remember too. The last movie is the last movie because for a reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And they, these things do fizzle. There's irony uh, though. Up, up up until this point, four was a record for playing one superhero. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. There there is some irony though in when he was dropping Lex off at you know, back at the prison yard or whatever that was, you know, the the rock yard, and he says, See you in twenty and it's almost yeah. twenty yeah. years until it was 19 years until Superman yeah. was in the movies again. And, and yeah. one other one other uh, actor I forgot to mention though was um the the you know the the guy that was uh, supposed to be selling the farm, uh, Levin Hornsby. Yeah. Uh, he was played by Don Fellows, and Don Fellows was the guy in Superman Two, the general. I answer only to the president. Oh, oh. Really? he's also no, no. Same guy? and he and Porkins were the ones, of course, in Raiders of the Lost Ark that were telling. You know, Indiana Jones was telling the whole story of the Ark of the Covenant to in one of the greatest exposition oh. moments in cinema history. Wow. Wow. I think the guys at the when uh, another great Luther scene, uh, Luther in the bunker when they were getting ready to shoot the last missile off. Yeah. And yeah. and when he was just overwriting all of the commands and stuff, I think those two guys that you mean when Luther almost nuked them. All? Yeah. Well, I think those two guys sitting at the controls are somebody, too. I think we've seen them in other. I, I forgot to look them up. I just did a quick note that yeah. said Bunker guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think uh, those guys. Uh, right. But that was a funny scene, too. And that guy finally started to count. And Luther just reaches over and hits the red button. <laughs> All right. These guys found work. I guess I can I can give him I can give him that much yeah. for, for the movie. Yeah. But I will say this: there was a little more effort here than there was in Supergirl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, and I'm going to change subjects back to the movie because, you know, uh, the there, of course, was another bully scene. In this one, and uh, I didn't realize it, but the actor that the guy in the gym, the one that uh, no pain, no yeah. gain guy, that's yeah. Nicholas Colicos, the son of John Colicos, the first Klingon from Star Trek. <gasps> no kidding. Yeah, and uh, wow. I actually, I I, uh, I have a, f- a friend that worked with him in corralling his father for a Star Trek convention, and they both failed miserably. They, they I'm glad you mentioned that scene, the <laughs> bullying scene, because yeah. I totally – and it's in one of my notes that uh, uh, Super Bully, again, uh, yeah. that was uncalled for, Clark. And dangerous. <laughs> yeah, he talked to no better. And dangerous. Yeah, that was very dangerous. Yeah. That was my note, too. That was very dangerous. Very dangerous. <laughs> that was uncalled yeah. for, Clark. <laughs> yeah. It was uncalled for, Clark. You know. Clark, don't be an asshole. Right. There are ways he could have done it gently, could have let it – he could have done it in a number of clever ways. Just throwing barbells at a idiot. That doesn't, that's not, that's not cool. That's not cool. That was, there's a little too much Clark buffoonery in that. Yeah, one. I want. That's it, what I was talking about. That's what I, and, uh, yeah. 
And, like, why is he faking a back injury? Exactly. Just do the damn exercise. I mean, it's fucking aerobics. Just goddamn do it. Yeah. You see, that's, a, that's part of the uh, – again, that was Donner. That never happened before. In the comics or anywhere else, uh, I, I blame Donner. It's kind of Donner slash Lester. Yeah, it is. And now slash Clark for – I mean, uh, Chris for accepting it. And he liked – the difference and people point to it all the time. They point to a scene where he'll stop slumping and stand up straight and go into a deeper voice and take, Oh, look how great he just fooled every, Oh <sighs> yeah. Okay. As far as Clark goes, there is not a lot, of, there is not as much separation in this movie as there was in previous ones. No, no, I, I, I just, I don't know. I have a problem with uh, making Clark so buffoon so much of a buffoon because you don't get to be the kind of reporter he is uh, and will become exactly. uh, by, by being that be an idiot. And, and that's that what I was talking about. I, 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 yeah. In these movies, I almost never get a chance to feel that, that Clark was a reporter in mm. other than the first the third one is really the only one where we get that. Yeah, the th any opportunity third one. The yeah. first one, he had a couple of scenes where he was actually writing stories and, and Perry compliment him on it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the third one, a lot more Clark Kent story-like writing and stuff. But in this one, every time he was being Clark Kent, whether on the job or off, he was being an idiot. Right down Wait. to the last Clark Kent scene. Oh, gee, I forgot my pencil on paper. I better go get it. And Jimmy saying, oh, there yeah. goes Mr. Kent. And the, yeah. the, and the Are you kidding? Scene, the double date scene. How many times have we seen that in how many different shows Ugh. and movies? And, oh, run out. Here comes Super. Oh, here comes Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I did like uh, right after he uh, overcooks the duck, he does make this little uh, sigh before he leaves. He's like, oh, what have I got myself into? Yeah. I, I don't think he does it. It's a little sigh right before Superman flies off. Right. Right? I don't think I would have like, restrained oh, to walk into my office and see my boss. Spread out, uh, spread out, spread eagle on the desk, and not <laughs> and say, uh, "I know." Well, I wouldn't mind if my boss looked like Mario Hemingway. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. Even no, if, it, even if your boss my is boss Mario right Hemingway, now, no, not at all. What are you I, supposed I to do in that situation? That is, and I would, she wouldn't have done that. There's he no. Give, he would have given her a super kiss, and she would have forgotten it. <laughs> That's no, what she would have walked in next day saying, "Best night of my life." <laughs> well, he'd have been going back for the red or the green kryptonite in number three to switch into the bad guy so he could have a little night of fun. I mean, <laughs> I can see Clark anyway. saying that now. Oh, gee, excuse me, but uh, I, I, I'm a little busy, but I'll, I'll send a friend of mine over. No. Now, he'll have a little darker suit and, and, and <laughs> he'll talk a little lower, but, 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 but it's really me. You'll like him. Oh, God. No, no, I, I don't lie. I've never liked a bumbling, fumbling Superman. You know, it's. Lacey was actually originally supposed to have an arc in this movie. Mm, really? Mm. Yeah, she was supposed to uh, be not as much of a bitch. Yeah, as well, I mean, you, you see that as this, the story goes on, she's you know, going more and more towards Clark and Lois's idea of what the newspaper should be. Even in that last scene with her father, she repeated yeah. Clark's uh, first bit he said to her. That this is news and, and the people deserve to know the truth. She repeated his lines almost verbatim to her father towards the end of the when, movie. When, and honestly, I kind of wish we saw a little bit more of this Daily Planet subplot. Yeah. Cause I, re I really like some of that. I would so like to have seen more with Perry and, uh, Warfield. Right. And who played Warfield? Do we have that Sam information Runnels. in front of us? 
Sam Wanamaker. Because uh, I've seen him a lot, and I couldn't place him. I'm not sure what else he's, what else I've seen him in. Yeah, me too, but I've seen him in a lot of stuff, but probably more TV than movie, I bet. I, I didn't look him up, but, uh, you know, there was so much there they could have done. I mean, you don't have the budget for your special effects, then do Daily Planet stuff. No. And all that happened off screen. We yeah. see the, the meeting. We see, after the Drop Dead headline, we see uh, Perry in a... Looking very dapper right. as he's uh, going down. And Lois telling us and exactly then, what's going to happen. What he, exactly what he's going to yeah. do, and then we get the ending. That's really all of the Perry White subplot. Right. And it was okay. It was, you know, a cheering moment, you know, and I understand why. And it, yay, we went out over the big old evil corporate guy, and the corporate guy is terrible. Granted, 99.9% of corporate guys on that level are pretty big assholes. But I think you can do it more subtle. And less cartoony. Oh, one of the scenes that was cut out when they're making the first nuclear man, yeah. Luther is looking at at the new Daily Planet, and he's like, "Oh, this used to be a very fine." <laughs> <laughs> so even he knows. <laughs> even he knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's you know you know coming back to this. This is something I wonder too. Sometimes just over the course of these movies, mm. how many times do you think su- this Superman and this Lex have gone up against each other? A lot. He hasn't been in prison since Superman 2, has he? No, I wouldn't think so. I think he's, you know, and it depends, again, on what you read and the timelines, because if you're going to throw Singer's thing in the middle of this. We're not. Okay, then these two don't even exist. Superman 4 and uh, Singer are in different universes. And and they don't, these last two don't even exist in the Singer. He picks up from after number two uh, with the uh, Krypton rape scene. So, I mean, I mean, love scene. God, I hated that so much. So much. And if the two of them hadn't slept together in the Fortress of Solitude and him give her the super kiss, Superman Returns would have had to have been an entirely different movie. No kid, no off the planet sulking while my pregnant wife is or pregnant girlfriend, whatever. Uh, I kind of wish Superman Returns was a different well, movie. It should have been. It should have been. But, a, that, but that's another she part. She would have with him if she took him back to that. If you took her back to that shitty apartment. <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on. <sighs> he had to take. Yeah. He had to take her to the fortress. Wouldn't that have been something? He flies around with her that night. Can you read my mind? All that, <laughs> and instead of going to the fortress and impressing her with heat vision, opening the bottle of champagne, and oh, wow, it's fancy. Woo! Takes her back to Clark's dumpy apartment. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is where I live, Lois. Oh, I kind of thought Superman would have something better. Yeah. <laughs> well, Clark doesn't make a lot of money, but you're Superman. Do your coal to diamond bit. <laughs> oh, I love the coal to diamond bit. And <laughs> <laughs> they've been doing that since 1938, dude. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, that, it doesn't get it old. It never gets old for me. Well, I don't care how much coal the diamond, you're not going to be able to squeeze this piece of coal into a diamond, so forget it. No. Yeah. And uh, let's see, there's Superman or Cameron Fry. Mm. And with Cameron, all you got to do is put it up his ass. <laughs> 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 and then there's like one of the big plot holes is how the hell does Superman know who the woman is? What woman? Yeah, he which, says, where's the woman? The, and somehow, yeah, where's the woman? Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a reason for that. Where's the woman? That whole plot line was cut out. What scene are you talking about? Where's the woman? When he, after Superman recovers and they're in front of the Empire State Building, Nuclear Man, <sighs> Man 
Superman does his Hulk roar and goes, Where where's the woman? woman? You're right. Yeah. And Superman knows exactly what he's talking about. I mean, there's just so much. I mean, come oh. on. I mean, I didn't know the super. I didn't know. I thought he just had a cold. All of a sudden, he's turning into an old yeah. man. An old man. And, yeah. Holy and, shit. Now, was that his real scalp? Because I, I, no, I, mean, I know. He wore many wigs. Yeah. Chris wore many, many wigs in all four of the movies. Lots of wigs. Clark Kent and Superman. None of that is his real hair. Uh-oh. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> So actually, what happened is I I, I did watch that uh, Quest for Coherence version of the movie, mm. which put in some of the deleted scenes and whatever it didn't have, it subbed in the uh, panels from the DC Comics adaptation of the movie. Uh, okay. So basically, what happened is this whole plot line where, first off, the ar- argument over the headlines between Lacey and her father yeah. happens earlier. Hmm. It happens like right after Nuclear Man is done sunbathing, <laughs> and he brings he brings her to uh, to the tower. Superman shows up there, and uh, basically what happens is Nuclear Man is going to launch himself into a – basically pretend to be a nuclear missile to get the U.S. and the Soviets at war with each other. Even Lex isn't on board with this plan. So Superman rescues her from the tower, and basically this is her act of selflessness. Miss Warfield, I'd like to ask you to do something. It could be very dangerous. Please ask me. I'd like to do something for someone else. I'm going to set a trap for this creature and use you as the bait. Superman carries her out, out into the sky, drops her. He uses her to distract Nuclear Man, drops her, punches him out, and then catches her. <laughs> nice. And that, wow. And that's how he stops this plot. Wow. Interesting. Aren't we glad some of this stuff was cut from the movie? Yeah. 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 But that's how he knows who the woman is. Yeah, because I was ready for this sucker to end last night. I was ready. And it's too bad because there were parts of it, and I'm actually in my notes. I, I, you know, I actually said, "Oh, that was funny. That was pretty good. That was a nice bit." But overall, this is just, it's, it's painful. It's painful. It is painful, and I'm sorry it is so painful because, like we said all along, basic idea, not bad. It's not a bad no. elevator plot story. Just to say, hey, these are the things that I want to happen, but the execution is absolute. Terrible. And now, how much? How much of that do you think goes on Sidney Fury as the director? I mean, is this you know, basically really on the on the producer's shoulders? Well, there was also uh, there also wasn't much uh, harmony on the set. Yeah, I think Fury it's all of. I think uh, it's all yeah. of it. It, it, it. I think it's just a perfect storm of everything. Yeah, yeah. but but it starts. It really starts with getting the names of. You're getting Cooper, you're getting Kidder, you're getting Reeve, you're getting uh-huh. Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're bringing in this other up-and-coming actor who was starting to get work. You're you're paying some decent people to be in the thing, and you got them probably who they didn't even read the script. They probably saw the storyline, saw how much they were going to get paid, and said, "Fine." And it's the last one or whatever. But then, and then, then, the, then the budget gets the budget cut gets cut, uh-huh. and the rug is pulled out from under them. Chris wants to keep, he's fighting like hell to keep this movie going. Yes. And he gives up a lot of his money. He works with a director that he doesn't like. The director has no idea what he's doing as far as Superman. I heard that he watched, uh, the Lester Superman two and took it from there and said, Oh, it's a, it's a comedy. Okay. Did you know Sidney J. Fury almost directed The Godfather? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they went with Coppola solely because he was Italian. Oh, yep. Now, wow. now Fury, he directed Lady Sings the Blues. 
And, yeah. you know, he's never gotten any kind of Oscar nod himself uh, for anything. He did direct, you know, a couple episodes of Lonesome Dove, uh, Boys in Company C, but he also directed, uh, I think, was fired from The Jazz Singer. Mm. And then he did three of the Iron Eagle movies. Now, the first Iron Eagle movie was actually kind of enjoyable, but that's mostly because Queen did most of the soundtrack. Yeah. That'll improve just about yeah. anything. But, yeah, that's when you've got a real problem, though. And I just think he knew absolutely nothing about the genre, the character, and didn't care. And just looked at it as a straight job to get going to the next thing. And he and Chris well, wasn't he really old at that? Wasn't he really old at Yeah, and he and Chris had real big headaches well, because not. I mean, no, he's in his sixties. No, he'd be in his fifties, and he's born in thirty three. So okay, so, so he's, not, he's not as old as I thought. No. He's, so he's, he's eighty seven right now. Yeah, eighty six. So he's I don't remember if he did, twenty did years older than me. He is still directing. He, the last film he put out was last year, Drive Me to Vegas and Mars. And uh, he did a Pride Alliance before that. Sounds sounds like a high quality. Wow. <laughs> Tony Todd, Stan Shaw, bunch of character actors, most Michael Lerner. So I'm still they- glad they made this movie. I just wish they had left, you know, let him do what he wanted to do. And yeah, the problem was, Canon was a failing studio. Yep. Yep. They they were hoping this uh, film would save them. Well, well shit. Well, maybe they shouldn't have cut the budget. Yeah. Well, I think they have a choice of Masters of the Universe and this, and they they decided to go with uh, with Masters of the Universe. It'd be interesting to see how much money that made as opposed to to this one here. And and seventeen point three. Seventeen point three. And they probably spent twelve to fifteen on it. Somebody pocketed a lot of. Money. And I had no idea that that was even a movie, and I was its demographic. And there was no freaking Orko in there. No Orko. It, it What's did, up with no, that? no Orko. Masters of the Universe did better than Superman Four. Like the Magic Jawa, you know? Yeah. Oh, and they only came out like two weeks. They only came out like two weeks apart. Huh. Superman Four was uh, July twenty fourth of eighty seven, and Masters of the Universe was uh, did, August seventh. Did it not advertise itself at all? Because I remember not knowing that it had even existed as a movie until I was like. In first or second grade, like yeah, 1991. I, I, I remember but, uh, the commercials playing, you know, uh, Frank Langella saying, the universe in the let us. this be our final battle, you know, that, that, <laughs> that phrase. Oh, Frank Langella gloriously handed that. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Frank Langella was in He-Man, yep. the Master of the Universe. Was he really? Yeah, and the, uh, oh, yeah. the, the main characters were, were uh, Courtney Cox and uh, the guy that played uh, Tom Paris on Voyager. Robert Duncan. Really? Oh, yeah. Another Voyager. Frank Langella, and, Courtney Cox, and I didn't know a damn thing about it. Oh, and uh, just, you know, for the... Uh, he wasn't wearing skeletor like makeup and stuff, right? He yeah, wasn't he, really skeletor. Yeah, he yes, was. He was. I need to see he parts of that. Like and, yeah, I need to see parts of that. I mean, Meg Foster's got a role in there as Evil Lynn. <laughs> And you know, then, again, as a kid, I liked that movie. And then uh, Chelsea Field as Tila, and Chelsea Field in anything in the '80s was wow. worth a watch. So yeah, well, I was not the demographic. I missed all of the Masters of the. Anytime I even heard it on TV, it was just for a Saturday morning cartoon. It was uh, never my thing either. Yeah, I never. I missed out on on. Not that I totally, you know, but there are certain properties that were just. I just wasn't there for them. Uh, 
you know, it's one of those things because of how close together they were in release and they're both canon films. Superman 4 and Masters of the Universe were kind of like almost like sister films for me. They were always kind of connected. Hmm. No, canon did. I mean, not in the real sense, but just like I always kind of thought of them together. Maybe they should show them in that, you know, how they bringing old movies back. Show them as a double bill together. <laughs> so I think we've exhausted this topic. Yes, that was yeah. fun. <laughs> Many topics. So I think this topic has exhausted itself. <laughs> <laughs> I actually need to drop, guys, so it's getting a little... Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's wrap hey, this up. Finish it up, Mike. All right. All right. So, uh, Brian, uh, where can uh, the people find Oh, I'm always out pretty much every month on Third Degree Burn at 2TrueFreaks.com where we talk about all things John Byrne. We should have a new episode coming out um, relatively quick where we'll talk about Blood of the Demon. Uh, but this will probably be out quite a while down the road then, though. So. If I get my way, we'll be covering Hulk 317 after that. All right. And uh, I am on a show called Next Generation's First Generation, which is a uh, Star Trek Next Generation commentary podcast show where we are looking back 30 years to the original air dates of the episodes. So we are about three episodes into season three as we record this now, 1989. Ooh, getting to the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And then I am frequently on Weekly Heroics on uh, Two True Freaks with uh, Scott McGregor and the Hair Metal Hero. Doing a good job on the preacher thing. We actually just recorded the last episode. Yes, we did. I'm going to watch it tomorrow. Oh, it's oh man, there's this one. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking it to work with me, and I'll watch it. All right. So, uh, Dario, where can we find I am, uh, you can find me and my pal Chris Honeywell on Eat It and Beat It, where we, I guess we can say we've just finished up our grand expose on Colonel Sanders. Oh no! Fried chicken, the life story, (laughs) the life story of Colonel Sanders, who is a fascinating kick-ass individual. Trust me, this man's life is nothing like you think it is. (laughs) It's it's, just, just fascinating. And then there's also dirty stuff too. Yeah. All right. And uh, Bob, you can find me over at the uh, Superman Forever radio podcast at supermanforever.com. I put out a show. Well, when I feel like it, the next show is coming out is about that, that's the best way. to. Yeah, do it. I you know, I'm I, yeah, I tried to do what you guys do. And I thought, no, this is going to kill me. I'm old. I can't do this. So uh, the next episode is coming out in uh, not too not too far from now. I'm putting some finishing touches. It's about Superboy's best friend. Pete Ross. And we're going to talk about Weir. There's no Weir. I'm going to talk about uh, all about Pete Ross, how he came to be, his first appearance, uh, all of that stuff, and why nobody in live action has ever done correct Pete Ross. They just missed the character totally. I thought Smallville would do it. Uh, and then, no, they, they instead didn't. of making him his best friend who would hide his secret with his life, they made him a guy who is afraid of his new friend who has powers so it, it just failed over a man of steel makes him grow up to be a you know a fast food he guy. gave him I, up he gave him up to yeah, he gave him up he gave him up mm. yeah so they haven't done him right yet so uh, that's what i'm going to talk about pete ross superboy's best friend and several key superboy issues and uh if you're listening to this you've already found me there you are yep so 
Dude, here I am, and well, you're not gonna find me for a few months. I'm gonna take a short break. I want to build up some episodes, and this seems like a good place to to do that. Being that not only have I finished Christopher Reeve movies now, Super Friends finished with the last episode. So the next time you hear from me on a regular episode of the show, there might be some extras in the meantime. I will be covering the first two episodes of the Ruby Spears cartoon. Mm. And so the next long segment of the podcast will be Ruby Spears and Superboy. The TV show Superboy? The TV show Superboy. Awesome. Awesome. Live action. Those first. Those are both great. Those are both great shows. Yeah, both of those. Superboy takes uh, a minute to get good, but. Yeah, about about half about half of its run it takes. Yeah, it takes about <laughs> about a year and a half for it to start to get going. But and that's okay. We'll, Some and then uh, we'll all be back for Superman Returns, right? Someday. That's, that's a long time. <laughs> Until that happens, the feedback is always welcome. Manascreen at gmail dot com. If you want to leave a uh, join the conversation in the Facebook group, put Manascreen podcast in your search feed, and the show should come up. You can also find the show on Twitter at Manascreencast. Until next time, folks. See you in 20. <laughs> the Man of Spring Podcast is produced by Mike Zemo, and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zemo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. Emails of this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com and you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast. Thank you.